0: back to The VO Life with Troy Holden. Welcome to The VO Life, a podcast for those who are trying to figure out how to build a career in VO from a guy who just seems to always learn the hard way. Now here's your host, Troy Holden. Hey, hey, hey. You just knew it, didn't you? The prophet is back. Episode 131 of the VO Life. This is, um, this is going to continue to be a journey. At first, I thought, no, it's not. It can't be, but it's going to be because we're going to flip the focus on what we talk about here being a lot of really common uh, current affairs that we're seeing posted in uh, different Facebook groups by different people who are in the know and what's going on. And then I'm going to gather that stuff up once a month, maybe every two weeks, but right now once a month, and talk about it. And today it's going uh, to cover, should I get into VO? Should I get out of VO? What's going on with VO? And that's a very tough question because... Having been in this um, three and a half years, full-time for two, um, relying on it to help pay my bills, to help keep me afloat, I, I get in between sometimes. I have my struggles um, being an entrepreneur, being someone who is a freelancer and trying to do what I can, ha- trying to disperse out and do some different things even, Um this month, had it not been for a job that I did not even open my mouth on except talking to the client, I hired two people who did the voiceover work for about uh, 50 videos. Um, 20 of them in English for Medicaid, Medicare, 20 of them in Spanish for Medicaid, Medicare, and 10 of them were a revamp of some videos I did almost a year and a half ago. They wanted a Spanish version, and they are a health insurance service agency, a government agency, and thank goodness for them coming along, or my my November would have been pretty slack. Um so like many people, I get nervous from time to time. And the, the crazy thing was I went into November thinking I need to align where I'm going to start spending money to really help my business. I need to uh, either get a, an, uh, an assistant to start mining for these leads that I don't like to mine for. And I don't mind doing the emails. I don't mind doing the replies. I don't mind doing all the other book work, but it's mining for those leads that I suck at. I suck at it. I'm terrible. And if I'm not mining for those leads and trying every week to prepare and plan for the for the further out six months or year away that these are people that may come warm and may come into the house, um, I'm not doing myself any favors. So let's spin all that back around to, hey, is it a good time to get in VO? Let's throw that back to when is the best time to plant a tree. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. What's the second best time today? So there's not a bad time to get in if you do it the right way. If you do it according to what's actually going on, what's trending right now. When I got into this in in 2020, let's go back to May of 2020, you've heard the story. I was able to take a different route than what I would have taken now. If I could go back and rewrite the book Here's what I would have done 2020, May, June timeframe. Once I understood and was told what VO was and I was researching one, I would have either saved or because I was working a pretty good job paying six figures, you know, I was making 120, 130,000 a year. I would have either put back X number of dollars per month for coaching and training Um, and upgrading my space. And I would have taken the path of, I will learn from as many great people as I can. I will practice as much as I can and go to as many workshops as I can. And I would have never had the door open to me that you can go get on Fiverr and Upwork and this and this and this. And I was, um, I don't know, what's the word? Infatuated with the, the fact that I could make a little money. And within three months, when that money became twelve, fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars in a month, uh, on you know a few good months, I thought, well, now I can go pay for those coaches and whatever, and this will pay for itself. Wow! Did you hear that? Jesus, I think they're setting off a bombs around here. I know people love to shoot their guns out in the country, but my gosh, that sound like a, a rocket launcher. Um, it it shook the walls. Um, but anyway, what I was getting at is if I could do it again, I would have taken the other path and I will encourage everyone to take that path. I'm the guy that learned. I did a lot of things the wrong way and I learned, um, I was lucky because I was able to dig out of it. And when I went full time, it gave me the opportunity, especially that first year to dig out of it and to really, really train hard. And sadly, I had to use a lot of what I was making that first year. I mean, we we really had it rough. The second year was a lot better. I started booking more stuff. I had more agents. I had more opportunities. And no, agents are not paying my bills. You know, it's a very small percent of what I do. Um, I don't know, 3% maybe, if that. We'll see at the end of the year. It, but it still was direct business that carried uh, paid the bills. And that may have been people I pulled off of those cheaper platforms and raised those prices up and got it up better. And they stayed with me, which was true and also something you're not supposed to do. But if they'd have kicked me off, uh, I guess I wouldn't have cared. So I didn't worry about it. And I think that's got to be your attitude. I'm not making enough money on there that if they kick me off, it'll really put me under. So then you can make the decision that I'm going to lure anybody that comes to me on there. I'm going to try to lure them off because they could lead to being a long-term repeat client and I don't have to run them through that platform and give up 20%. I know it's wrong and unethical and, and I probably shouldn't be saying that, but I said it. Again, had I had the opportunity, I would have done it different. So what are we seeing Recently? What's the difference in three years ago and now? I've talked about this before, but if you're brand new and you understand the structure of voiceover and you've been coached and trained, and then all of a sudden you go, you know, I'm not making any money. Maybe I should get on Fiverr and Upwork. Well, now let me heed you this warning. If you think regular voice work is a struggle and a climb, wait till you start dealing with that. Because as a new seller on Fiverr, three years ago, I dealt with 500 other new sellers. You're going to deal with four to 5,000. Getting in the algorithm, getting noticed, getting heard, and get in, you're going to have to pay your dues with the crappy jobs. And most people don't want to do that. And I don't blame you. I was so enamored and thrilled to get anybody to pay me to listen to me that I thought it was okay and it really wasn't. You know, but I did it anyway and who's gonna know is gonna hear it. Well, you're gonna hear on the podcast I did it. But on the other hand, I see today people who have been on there a while and they're going, "Man, all I'm getting is offers to do these YouTube channels for $15 and it's 1200 words and da 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 and it's, you know, man, that's below minimum wage. That's, you know, that's terrible. It is terrible. But let's flip flip the shoe. Okay, let's put the shoe on the other foot, as they say. That guy over there in whatever country he's in, Sri Lanka, I had a guy in Sri Lanka. I had one in Russia. I had one, I can't remember where the other one was. I want to say Laos, but I'm not positive. When I first started, I did a, a channel called Tech Dojo. They're still posted, you can still go hear them. They're terrible. Please don't go listen. But he was paying me 10 bucks. An episode, I netted eight dollars. I did, I don't know, hundred or more episodes for him. Why did you do that? Because it gave me something to do to practice on, and I got better. It enabled me to buy some uh, a better mic, a better interface. It enabled me to build my booth, not just him, but a couple of others. And well, how many of those did you do? I counted a while back, and it's over four thousand. I've done over four thousand, four thousand YouTube. Narrations. Now, a lot of those paid a lot more. They paid good, but 80% of them didn't because I was learning, I was training. Why did you do that? Because I wanted to get paid to practice. I couldn't get enough practice editing. It was all short form stuff. You know, people would send you a bunch of stuff you could read, it was 30 second, 60 second stuff. When I started having to edit, 30 minutes of audio, and a lot of people say, then go do audiobooks. Well, you can, but I don't do audiobooks. I'm not a reader. I never have been. I don't think I could do it. Um, I've bid on a couple a few times. I've got close, and if I'd have gotten them, I'd have put the effort in it and tried it, and maybe, who knows, maybe I would have liked it. I seriously doubt it, but I would have tried. But what I'm getting at is when you start editing those, then you become accustomed to editing your e-learning modules, splitting your files, editing long-form corporate narration, and getting good at it, learning how to get your audio better, learning how to do your markers with one of these things. That's a clicker. You can do that with a clicker. Um, maybe you want to learn to punch and roll. Whatever you want to learn to do. Maybe you want to clap, slap your desk, stomp your foot. Whatever you want to do, you get in your routines. You also get in the routine on how to label your files, how to file away your files, how to set things up on your computer to keep all your customer files, how to do your backup drives, how to do your stuff to the cloud. You learn all of that because you're repetitively doing work. It ain't good work, but it's work, and no one should criticize you or make you feel bad for trying to learn. Do all this under the radar. If you can, use a pseudonym. Don't put your name on Fiverr. Don't put your name on Upwork. Oh, Upwork's going to make you use your name, but you see what I'm getting at. There's ways around getting the crap beat out of you for learning, and There's no shame in learning on the fly. Look, there are two types of people in the world. There are people, and I know them, they're still going to school. They've been going to school their whole lives. They've got 12 different degrees, and some of them still don't have a job. Some of them still can't do anything that those 12 degrees say they can do because they're only proving they have an ability to go to school and learn, but they can't apply it. They have no natural ability to apply themselves. There are other people who have several degrees who are worldly and can apply themselves. I salute you. I salute you who want to go to school and learn all those things. But on the other hand, there are people like me, blue collar tradesmen. You show me how to do it and let me do it a few times and I'll get it and I'll perfect it. I'm a guy who grew up in an Um, I grew up in a family business at first, and we sold industrial sewing equipment. Little did I realize I was a student of all the ways of the Japan methods of doing things, kaizans, kanbans, all those things. I didn't know what they were, but in my mind, in our little business, I set things up that way. Made, a, made it closer, put all the tools closer to the people that were doing the work, made it to where they didn't have to walk around and around a, a pair of sawhorses to get to the back part of the sewing machine. You know, when we were building the tables and stands, and most of you got no clue what I'm talking about, but you were having to uh, put things on the front, and then you'd have to walk around to the back and do things and come back to the front. I built a turntable where you could spin it, and you never had to take a step. I put airdrops in for the tools to be right there where you didn't have to go look for them because the thing was, if we could build that unit in 40 minutes versus an hour and a half, we could build a lot more a day. And I had no idea what I was doing. But then I went to Nissan and worked there for a number of years and saw what all of that really was in action, what shop floor management meant, what a Kaizen really was, what a Pokey was. And some of you are still going, I don't know what you're talking about. But these were processes put in place many years ago, back in the 20s, by an American. And then it was taken to Japan because nobody in America wanted to listen to him. His name was Dimming. It's called The Dimming Method. It's a great read. Go get the book. Even in your regular life, you can apply these things. In your kitchen, you can apply these things everywhere. Make it easier, not harder. Work smarter, not harder. And you will teach yourself. And that's what I love to do, teach myself. By repetitive motion, by repetitive um, uh, actions, I became better at what I was doing, all because I was out there laboring away with these stupid YouTube things. And it made me a better editor. Now, I'm not afraid to take on any kind of editing. I could edit audiobooks for people, I think, and do well at it and be pretty quick at it because I have that experience of 4,000 plus long-term narrations edited. I've posted YouTube videos on my process. I've posted YouTube videos on my file naming stuff. When I audition, how I do that. I recently posted about using the markers in Adobe file. Uh, I put that up on YouTube where you can stretch those markers and name them. And then when you save all of those out, it saves them all as separate files, either waves or MP3s. And you can even put a a preliminary title in there, like put the date and a dash, and then it'll have the date, the dash, and the name of the file. And it's really nice and easy. I'm not using that yet, but I see that down the road is something I'm probably going to use and probably use often to speed me up to make me faster, to make me more efficient. Because if we're doing those things in a repetitive way, if you build a robust, repeatable process, you'll succeed. You won't make mistakes. You won't screw up. That's how that works in everything. What applied in manufacturing applies to audio editing. It's a different thing. But you come up with the right process and have things where they need to be. I've added little things in here. Like if I need to change mics, I can push an AB button I have over there. It'll click and make racket in my DAW, but I don't have to go get a cable, unhook out of the back of the uh, interface and hook something else up. Why don't you just get an interface with two inputs? Well, I already had this one. I liked it. I bought this little box for $26. It works great. My next purchase is going to be a mute button. I hate to have to reach and turn the volume down. When I'm on a podcast or on something live or on Zoom or hit the Zoom mute, I'm going to put one of those buttons right here on my desktop on top. And when I say desktop, I mean my actual wooden desk and push that button and a red light comes on. I know I'm on mute and I know it's a real mute. It doesn't turn it down 80 decibels. It's a true mute. I'm going to get one of those because I think for what I do, I may only use it five times a week, but it'll save me reaching and turning and forgetting to turn it back up and et cetera. And it's got a big red light on it. And I know I'm on mute. Well, you can see that on the screen. It's got a cross through the microphone. I know it does, but I'd rather do that. And, you know, there are little things, all these things you can do. So back to the other thing, let me circle back around. I've talked about that and tried to defend that point of view. Look at uh, right now, is it a good time to get in? Is, is it harder? It could be. But if you take the route I talked about earlier, you're going to do workshops, training, coaching, slowly take your time, build your but what How long does that take? I'm going to say a couple of years that you're going to be training, workshops, coaching, building your stuff for a couple of years, getting to know people, inserting yourself in groups, getting your name out there, start to build on your website, get your website done right, make sure it's right before you put it up, get a lot of feedback from people and make sure it's right. And, you know, get all these things ready to go in the background. Here comes an airplane. Um, being a podcast, we're not going to stop. And um, then, you know, you're going through all those steps. Are there steps? Does somebody have that published? I think I've got a PDF about, you know, how to get into VO and all the things you need and whatever. I'd be glad to send that to you. Troy at TroyHoldenVoices.com. Email me and say, hey, send me all your PDFs about VO because there's about three and I'll send you all of them. They're free. You can do with them what you want. You can print them, burn them, whatever. Um but there may be something in there that helps you, and it may align with what a lot of other people are telling you. And that's another thing. Talk to several people, but don't don't talk to people who are wanting to do a demo, who are wanting to push you into this or push you into that, or you can, you can make it in 90 days. We'll get you going within, you can get your first paying job in two weeks. You might could. I did. I got my first paying job in two weeks, and I think I made $3. It was a $5 job. And then once I figured out, well, that's not what people work for, and it didn't take me long to figure that out. Um... I went up and up and up and up and up and you buy from me now on Fiverr, you're going to pay me as much as you would direct. You're not getting a break. You know, my gigs are posted high, high money and you're going to pay for the rights because I can read your script and pretty much tell pretty quick, especially if it's got 78 words in it. I know what you're doing with that. If it's got 142 words, 156 words, I know what you're doing with that. And if I see on there, you know, This is only valid from this date to this date. Well, I know what you're doing. It's pretty easy to call people out on that stuff. And they know they're just trying to get away with it. They're just trying to get a decent sounding voice, something that will get them by. And that's why they go there a lot of times. But there's also a level of buyer that goes there that pays the money and they don't mind. And that's where I'm at now. That's the orders I get there now. I didn't get those three years ago. I fought through it just like everybody else. I had those guys that were just, well, that sounds robotic, and that doesn't sound this, and that doesn't, you know, I don't want it to sound like that, and, you know, you're going too fast, and blah, 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 and they were just trying to get you to give up and let them have it for free. I seldom ever did that. I may one time have given up, but, um, you know, I don't deal with that on there. Fiverr is a very small spoke in, in the wheel, but it's there. And, and it's reliable for me right now at a certain amount of money per month. And I do not shame myself with the orders I do there. I will not shame myself. Um, the cheapest thing that I do on there, and I will admit this, the cheapest thing that I do, and I've been doing it for ever since I started on there, and it's the same two people that come back to me every year, twice a year, is the batting lineups for a little league team somewhere in California. And I only charge them like 25 bucks because I played little league baseball. I played Babe Ruth baseball, high school ball, walked on it in, in college. And, and those of you that have heard the story about me and the blown out kneecap that happened in high school, um, I love the game. And and um, for those kids to be able to have their name announced by somebody that has a quote-unquote professional announcer voice. And I put the uh, the reverb and the echo in there, and it sounds like, you know, they're at, dang, there's another boom. It sounds like they're at, uh, you know, Yankee Stadium, and it says, now batting, 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 number 24-4-4, four, four, Carlina. You know, and I, I, I have fun with it. And they're kids, you know, so every year I do that for Peanuts. But it's, it's just giving something back. You can do that. You have that right to do that, even locally. Uh, I offer up stuff locally all the time. I'll be glad to, to record the opening thing for the Chamber of Commerce annual meeting. I'll be glad to do this for you know the electric companies thing up here, the annual thing. I'll be glad to come in and even live announce, and I've done that. Do that. Give back to your community. It'll come back around. Um, so with all of that, to say, yes, the starting up part is different. Uh, if, if, if you have a passion for this, you've always wanted to do it and you have some natural talent and uh, uh, people say, well, what about your background? What do you do? Well, I used to be in theater. I was this, I, I or I used to be in radio. Ball. So you probably get this. You probably can. You may have to make a lot of changes. You can't speak to the back of the room. You can't over announce. You've got to get conversational on this. It says you can learn to do those things. So it's not a thing of, is there a good or bad time to get in? No, there's not. I don't think so. If this is something you believe in and want to do and you're good at it, you'll you'll probably get in and you'll probably eventually um, do okay with it. How long does it take? And that's that question I, I said a while ago, it's very hard to answer. I think from the time you get your education going, you're getting pretty good at it. Your coach tells you, I think you're ready. You you go ahead and move forward with a demo. You've got your website up. You're prepared to direct market. You've got an idea how you're going to do that and how you're going to put spokes in your wheel to feed your income, to get you going. And then you need to realize, I still am going to be part-time. You're not going to jump in that full-time. Not likely. I just don't see how anybody could. Wait, yes, you might could. If you have a spouse that makes a crazy amount of money and they'll support you in doing it and it won't affect your personal life for you to leave your job and do this full-time and take a risk, and they say, all right, let's try this for a couple years, Uh, honey, it may take five. You better let her know it could take five because the first couple you're doing all this training and learning and investing and whatever and whatever and whatever, and then year three you, you kick in, and then I still think it takes a couple of years to get your business built at least a couple years because you're trying to get agents, you're trying to get direct clients, you may go pay to play, you may not, um, whatever it is. So I, I look at it as from the day you make the decision, I'm going to get into this, it's going to be about five years before you start getting money back. That's just my crazy estimate. I think you're going to invest more than you're making definitely the first three years and then if that continues the next two, you probably should get out, look for a new hobby or a new thing. Because if you're not making money after after that fifth year, something's probably wrong. Um, and, and, and it could be something that can be fixed, but take a hard look at it. Don't Don't linger and fight it and wrestle with it just because you want it to happen. If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. And you know, I come to that reality sometimes. I'm in that, I'm in that middle right now. I'm not to year five. I'm a ways away. I've still got a couple of years to be at year five, but it's scary to me. Some months, it's very, very scary. And I'll have uh, friends and and people in my accountability groups and, dude, just you're, you're booking. You know, you you know, you're way ahead of me. And da 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 da. And I say, yeah, but I'm nowhere near where I thought I'd be. And sometimes that's me. I'm trying to get way further ahead than I want to be. Um, I want to have multiple national campaigns, you know, uh, a couple of regionals. I love my local stuff, but I'd like to hit a little harder, a little bigger in a few areas. And it may or may not happen, but here's the bottom line. As long as it's satisfactory, I'm doing the kind of work I want to be doing. I'm not cheaping myself out, which I'm not going to. And I'm able to sustain a certain level of income, pay all the bills, be able to go to a couple of conferences a year, invest in my business, buy a new chair every year or two, maybe put another mic in the locker now and then. We don't even need the darn things, but we love to buy them. Just because somebody says, this mic sounds fantastic, you know, it really sounds great for this and this, and you think, and then I, you know, I I can't tell you how many I bought and either giving them away or resold them. And I go right back to that 416, right back to it. And then I've got the MK4 as the secondary. And, um, but you know, that's part of it. Um, As I rambled off into the mic thing, I hope we didn't lose, you know, the focus of this three to five year thing. And I've been preaching this for about a year. And um, you've really got to, wrap your arms around that and embrace that and just say, you know, I am an apprentice and I will be in a five-year apprenticeship and then I should be, you know, I should be a master by then. And that's when things ought to get different. Somewhere between that year three and year five, you should really be merging out of apprenticeship into your master uh, position. And that's the only way I know to name it, because I know plumbers and electricians go through that kind of stuff. And that's a good way to look at it because you are, you're learning, you know, you're in, you're in school and that's what you got to do. Um, so that is, I guess that's kind of the, the round ball of all of this. I think I covered it all. Um, you know, I, I think we all would like for it to happen faster. We'd all like for things to come together faster. Um, if you want it to come together faster, invest harder, spend more time at it, you know, really, really, really invest in the, in the practice. Um, and, and sadly, I will say if you can get this long form narration work, don't take anything else, get a couple of YouTube channels where they're sending you a couple of scripts a week and you're getting maybe four a week or three a week. And it's not impacting your life a whole lot. And you spend, you know, 20 minutes recording it. You spend another 15 or so editing when you start out. And next thing you know, it's 20 to record it and 10 to edit it. Then it's 18 to record it. And uh, it's um, less than 10 minutes to edit. And then it becomes, it's a, you know, 1200 word script. You're knocking it out in 13 minutes, 14 minutes at the most, 12 minutes, 10 minutes, and you're only spending about three minutes on the editing because you know how fast you can blow through there to the clicks and how to back up and you start recognizing what the WAV file looked like where you messed up and you back up to it and you say, yep, that's it. Highlight it, get rid of it, go on to the next one and you can fly through it. It makes a difference. Invest in in something that will make you better and faster at what you're doing, and it's very important. Don't get lured into a bunch of baloney coaching. Don't get lured into um, over-analyzing, over-processing audio. As I've said from day one, get your space right. Then work on your audio and then tune it to your space. Get your space the best it can possibly be. Go to someone who can help you. Uh, George the Tech, Uncle Roy, Jordan Reynolds, three of the best. Um, that they can listen to that audio and say, "Do this. Your mic position may all you need to adjust is mic position. You may need to move a sound panel. You may need to add a bass trap. Uh, you may need to move your monitor. It could be some simple things, but don't overthink it, overanalyze it. And once you get it set, just like I said earlier, when I talked about working at Nissan." Once you establish that robust, repeatable process, don't change anything because if you change one tiny thing, it's going to throw it all off and then you're going to start listening for something else. Uh, two weeks later, you'll forget you changed it and you'll say, you know, my sound's not like it was. I wonder if I fixed this or if I did this. Now two things are off and then three things are off. Just be careful with that, because unless you're an audio person, you can really get in a mess. And and remember, nothing can fix a bad room. You know, um, yeah, there's, there's presets and this and this and this, but if you get that room right and get it close and get it to where it's not reverby and it's not crappy sounding, and then... You get a decent mic, Don't go get a TLM 102. Those things pick up tick farts. You don't need that. Get a shotgun mic. Get a 416. There are others that are comparable. Um, don't over invest on all that stuff in the front end. Room first. Get good acoustic treatment. If you're in a big room, you know, use panels, make sure there's rugs. Whatever you gotta do, and then stand in the middle of the room and clap, and if it still rings, you're not there. You know, you gotta keep working on it. And uh work with work, work with the audio grates and get help because they are so, so helpful. Whew. I told you the first one coming back was going to be breathy and lengthy. We have gone over 30 minutes, but that's okay. I hope there's a lot of good stuff in here. There's a lot of things that, uh, you know, we don't get to talk about on another VO podcast. And this one is really going to be about focusing on your business, your climb, where you're going, and, you know, no guest, no other stuff, just me letting you know the things that I'm facing and fighting. And I'll tell you, November's been tough. And I'm looking for a good December comeback. I had some clients I really was counting on in November that uh, I reached out to the uh, production houses that those clients work through. And they're like, no, they haven't. They're not doing anything for Thanksgiving. And, and we're not really sure what they're doing for Christmas and New Year's yet. And uh, Oh, no, really, you know, I felt terrible because they were a big carry for me in November and December last year. And here's the other lesson learned. Don't ever count on that stuff coming back year after year, because you never know. They may make a change. They may decide to go a different way. And then here you sit wondering, why didn't I prepare for this back in January and start marketing to other like clients who have like products who might like my voice because I wasn't exclusive to these people. And that's what you got to do. You got to constantly be thinking, how am I going to replace that business when I lose it? You don't want to think that way that you're going to lose it, but you surely got to be thinking, how am I going to replace it? And that's how you build your increase. There it is. That's the key. (laughs) Direct clients that come back and new direct clients that come back in case the old ones fall away. And that's part of it. Hey, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. It is Christmas coming up soon. I'll try to get one of these in before Christmas. And uh, we'll talk more about your business, your VO business, and what's going on with your VO life. This has been the VO life with Troy Holden on Spotify, Apple, Google, and more. This podcast was produced under the authority of the podcast police who may or may not have investigated the host and guests prior to broadcasting. Any unlawful statements will be investigated further and persecuted to the fullest extent of the podcast law.